let me let me just give you guys a quote here and see if maybe you can place who said this. George Bush. Some Christians don't jump ahead. Sorry, sorry. Some Christians haven't even attempted to think about whether or not they would die for Jesus because you know why? Because they haven't really been living for him. I, yeah, I really saw that one coming. Ooh, uh, was it Billy Graham? Wow. Uh, Jerry Falwell. Billy Graham. DC Talk. Oh, oh <laughs> they quoted well, themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they gave themselves a page spread. Sorry, I just, I literally, <laughs> I literally stood up to turn my, uh, I have this like fan humming in the background that's, uh, comes from my hot water heater. So I was like, stood up to turn that off. And I guess more than one second went by since, uh, since the timer started where you, you felt the need to jump. Well, in I there. looked up and all I could see was your denim clad ding dong. Oh, <laughs> <It's like, laughs> well, anyway. Hey everyone. Welcome to another episode of growing up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. And well, it's the new year. Jeremiah, what was your new year's resolution real quick? Uh, oh, I don't, I don't make new year's resolutions. What a good. <laughs> it was to buy fewer cars. Person. Yeah. Buy fewer. Well, okay. So in, in 2022, I bought zero cars, zero. So uh, you're making up for lost time now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so I bought one this week and then I've got my eye on another that just popped up today. That I've been an offer to go buy it tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. So I feel like you're all out in January. You're not the car guy though. That like eventually his yard turns into like a scrap dealer. Oh no, no, I keep them. I keep them revolving. Like I think I we, we counted it up. I've lost track, but I think we've had like 17, 18 cars. Uh, and the average is like two to three years. There's some we've had for five or six. A couple that we've only had for a few months because there were, there was something wrong or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I feel like we buy them to drive them. We don't buy any of them just to have them. Yeah. Do you um do you plan like you had mentioned that this one that you just got was like a long time, long term dream car. Do you intend? Is this one of those ones that you hold on to like for like for decades? Probably not. I just don't okay. think I'm the type of person that does that. But yeah. it, it, this is my dream car that I just got. So I'm sure I'll keep it for a few years. And then by that point, I'll have enjoyed it and had fun with it. And then I'll probably sell it just so I can try the next thing. Gotcha. You're not going to let it. I'm gonna just going to cover it. it right into the grave. <laughs> nope. I uh, just don't think that's me. Do you cover <laughs> your cars with uh, that, that one of those car tarps every night? Uh, no, I, I had a convertible I used to keep outside that I covered cause it had some tears in the top, but this mm. one's going to be in the garage most of the time, like when it's not being driven. So, um, that's something I did over the new year was I worked on cleaning out the garage, to get room for it. I had lots of stuff that needed to be like, go, go to the dump, get recycled. Cool things that listeners of this podcast definitely yeah. want to hear about. <laughs> I think that's all my garage is, is just like, it's piled to the ceiling with shit and I just need to get a dumpster at this point. It's like an intermediate movement point between like your bedroom and Salvation Army. Yes, it's a staging <laughs> location. I, I had some stuff that like a, a generator and an air compressor and things that I like kind of inherited from my grandfather after he passed. He had a three car garage of tools and things. And so all wow. the grandkids went Man. and took like anything that they wanted, you know, just ransacked kinda, grandpa's home. 
basically but that's well, that's what they would have wanted like my grandmother she's still alive and she was super excited like anytime you l- looked at anything in the house she was like do you want it do you want to keep it do you want that to be yours so fortunately like my family was really cool about everything nobody f- fought about anything or anything like that um you know i've heard like nightmares of people doing that with their parents or grandparents things and fortunately my family has had none of that it was all just people picking up stuff they're interested in so i brought back this air compressor and this generator and a couple like his chainsaw, a few weed eaters, things like that. And I've just never used the air compressor or the generator. And I've had them for like five years. So I decided I was tired of them taking up room in the garage. So I just try to list everything for like so cheap that no one's going to yeah, fight with me about it, it immediately. And that's what I did. I sold everything but a, a couple small things that I could just throw away uh, that afternoon. So that was pretty sweet. There so, you go. Cleaning house. All right. I have a question for you guys, uh, and I meant to bring it up around uh, Christmas time uh, while we were gearing up for all the Christmas festivities, and it was more topical. I feel like once Christmas happened, like you can talk about Christmas shit for like, you know, four weeks prior to Christmas, and then like two days after Christmas, everyone's like, we don't we don't talk about this anymore. Not yeah, people do year. move on really fast. Yeah, it's uh, but, but I, I, I recall the memory from when I was young of a family that instead of putting up a Christmas tree would uh, because that had pagan origins, they would, they didn't do the Christmas tree allegedly had pagan or I, I think it really did. Right. That's like a true thing. I'll look pagan it up. Origins of a Christmas tree. Uh, yeah. It's well, like some sort of Norwegian demon totem or something. Cool. Well, they, instead of doing that, they would set up a nativity set in their living room like a fairly large nativity set, like maybe one of the ones you would normally put outdoors at a church and they would open their presents around the nativity. So they just had those weird, faintly glowing, thick plastic figurines (laughs) in their living room. Yeah. I don't know if they're light up ones, but it was, uh, I just found that to be so looks like you got some information for us. I do. Sorry. Uh, that was the, the smile of learning. Um, so it does look like modern cr- Christmas trees in the way we think of them originated in the Renaissance uh, in early day Germany. So it looks like in the 1500s or so, but they seem to be inspired by older pagan like worshiping of trees and things. So not explicitly like Christmas festival with a tree, but people decorating trees and standing them up in Nordic countries for worship or celebration or whatever. And then um like tying that to a christmas celebration was officially done it looks like by christians in the 16th century so is, were ornaments anything about ornaments were they just like keepsakes or things that meant something to people at the time was it like just um so so tree worship was common amongst pagan europeans and survived their conversion to christianity and the scandinavian customs of decorating the house and barn with evergreens at the new year to scare away the devil uh, and setting up a tree for birds during Christmas time. So during the Roman festival, during the Roman festival of Saturnalia, houses were decorated with evergreen plants. Um, you know, so I think everyone's probably heard of Saturnalia as being a possible predecessor to our Christmas celebrations. And then, oh, sure. <laughs> no, I figure like it's a common thing. Is it not? I'm Maybe so. <laughs> oh, okay. Saturnalia is considered to be by some people to be like the Roman precursor to our common Christian, uh, like Christian Christmas celebrations. Gotcha. But yeah, so it looks well, like decorations of evergreen boughs or evergreen trees around your house for your winter festival is a thing 
but official Christmas trees got their start with the church in the 16th century. I feel like the original, uh, the original thinking behind decorating the tree, you know, cause they used to just like put candles made of rotten tallow, like on the branches. And it must've been something along the lines of like, if you went to sleep and you woke up the next morning and you weren't scalded to, uh, you know, <laughs> Your house to then God's going to bless you this year. You know? <laughs> it's like giving God the chance to get rid of you rather than torment you for another year. Yeah. That it's is like, an interesting perspective. It's like a uh, high like stakes, in, high reward casting of fleeces. I get it. Yeah. It was like in Mario when you used to like run and double jump into the little area with the three tubes at the beginning of the first level, and then it would take you to level nine or whatever. Yeah. Fish. And it's like that, how? <laughs> I, it's like he's skipping ahead. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've lost the thread. I'm just riding yeah. this one out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God's doing a speed run. But did you guys ever know people who did nativity sets uh, instead of Christmas trees? In I've no. never heard of that. No. Okay. Because from what everybody I knew, like if they were mad about war on Christmas stuff, it was always about the commercialization of Christmas or like, you know, the calling it the holidays, Christmas songs that weren't Christian, that type of thing. Like the commercial, I feel like, well, maybe commercialization. I feel like they were very hung up on the language of uh, as long as you, it doesn't matter how capitalistic and how many people got trampled uh, at 3 a.m. at a Walmart parking lot. As long as they didn't say happy holidays, they didn't deserve to be trampled. Well, to be fair, I, I, what I'm thinking of is more of the people that like were upset. And I think there is an argument to be made of it's been a very commercialized holiday where like it's a whole month of celebrations kind of, but they've gotten more watered down to where it's just celebration of being together with people and snow and, you know, Christmas trees and whatever. Like it, it does seem like it has been watered down to more of like, it lasts for a much longer period of time. There's like the Christmas season or the holiday season. Uh, but then really what you're celebrating is just lots of sales at different stores. So like, yeah. I guess I get that to a degree. It does feel like Christmas day is almost like the relief at the end of yeah. a month long buildup. You've been and edging it, for four weeks and now you can finally yeah. bust. <laughs> and I wonder what it was like maybe back in the, I'm sure, you know, old movies and things don't accurately depict like the thirties, forties and fifties and stuff. But I wonder, was it a lot different back then? Cause the way like my parents and grandparents and stuff describe it, it sounds like Christmas was different back then. It was just dude, back when you were skipping down a cobblestone walkway, that's when Christmas was really christmas we need to make christmas great again like that uh this family also only did uh they only did three gifts each because jesus only got three gifts and that's why you do gifts on these christmas. people sound like idiots <laughs> <laughs> they seem so annoying they probably told literally everyone who would talk to them about it too oh uh yeah like there's no way to, i mean i heard it from the kids and it was more like you could see like the the look in their face like yeah we we know <laughs> you know that probably you don't have to make fun of us for this we we understand we didn't make this choice this wasn't a democratic process in the family i bet we did know more people who didn't have christmas trees but like you just wouldn't say anything about that like you wouldn't advertise that like i didn't put out a harvest horn for thanksgiving like i didn't put an <laughs> easter bunny around. like who would care about that but somehow christmas is the one where i guess it's just expected that you're going to put up a christmas tree yeah that is i a- don't know a heavy expectation. You know what I haven't seen yet, and I'm I. It's got to exist, but I haven't seen it yet. Is a uh, inflatable nativity set. Oh, <laughs> that's like 100% a hundred percent thing. Uh, yeah, truly a- white trash people in town 
the ones that have the paint chipping off the side of their house and like one window that's like saran wrapped, like they <laughs> go for the inflatable nativity set. Yeah, I'm Googling that right now. I guarantee that's a thing. 100%. Yep, I thought yeah. I'd seen that in people's houses before. Wow, you can get that for 90 bucks on Amazon. We uh, There's this house uh, a town or two over from me that for the last 30 years have been like, they deck out their entire property with lights and inflatables and let everyone and come like cops have to come and do like detail road work in order to like manage traffic and stuff. Like it's a big, this is the last year doing it. So like, like I said, I mean, they're just older now. He's been doing it for so long. It takes him months to set up for it. It takes him a lot of time to like tear it down. It's like a whole year thing for him. And he does it cause he loves it. And he, he has different sections in his yard of inflatables. So it's like different themes. You might have your nightmare before they- Christmas and then your snowman and then your the Grinch. And then it's like all, and it's all different- inflatables all inflatables and you just kind of walk through it and bring your kids and i can't support that it's <laughs> i don't like inflatables uh i like it came up this year that we should get some and it wasn't my choice my kids are the ones that want to i think that's how it starts kids are like we're, we're kids so we like things that aren't good and we don't have any taste and we're basically just it can you be anything but tacky when you're five and seven years old <laughs> and uh Sam really <laughs> understands the spirit of the season here. Like, look, oh, kids, yeah, I am like, I, listen, I have been. Daddy really- can't put an inflatable in the yard. The minute you put an inflatable decoration in the yard, your FICO score drops. Yeah. <laughs> it just devalues your home. It brings down the value of the entire neighborhood, and you're you're at risk of being murdered by your neighbors. Dude, there's I, one section of Wichita that's like these. Just, it's like. A couple of blocks of just beautiful old houses. They're really nice. Everybody talks about going there in Christmas time to see the decorations because some of them have like the neighborhoods have like gables, you know, over each side of the the street and all this stuff. And yeah, it's really all together and hire the local landscaping company to do all the lighting for them. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> That's the smart thing to do, I guess. Yeah. But uh we went down there and driving around and stuff, and a lot of them are really good. And some of them are like, uh, you know, they looks they, did, they did their best on it. And then you you pull up to the one house that's just like fifty inflatables. <laughs> yeah, just like God, I just want to throw a Molotov into the middle of it. It's like you're trying to win a competition by taking the shortcut. Is what it feels like when you do all inflatables. Yeah, and it's like I I could see somebody being like. Hey, not everybody has tons of money to spend on Christmas decorations, so that's kind of crappy of you to say. But it definitely costs more to buy 60 inflatables for your yard than just to buy some lights and put them up. It's like if you were in a cooking competition and you decided to take an artistic take on shepherd's pie. People would be like, it's still it's still shepherd's pie. <laughs> <laughs> Dinty more. Yeah. <laughs> but it's in a bread bowl. It's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was changing the subject. Or I, final thoughts on inflatables. It, we don't have to talk about Christmas anymore. Christmas is over. <laughs> I was closing the the books on yeah, it until we, August first. No one bring it up again. At all. If anyone brings it up again between now and when does Q four start? God damn Q four. <laughs> Fuck. I'm so happy we out of retail. <laughs> okay no before we close book back open before we move on uh i i've been relentlessly like made fun of for being a curmudgeon about christmas and i think it's just because i've been in retail or had been in retail for over 10 years and it's like 
from the from right now, everyone's already talking about buying for Q4 next year. And it's literally converse. You never get out of that conversation. And if you look at business profits in that, in the retail world, it's like you do 70% of your business uh, in Q4. And it's like, you basically just like stagnating and using le- some of your Q4 money to not go under for seven months. And then you're like Q4. And then you just like trick everyone to buying shit at a discount rate instead of, I don't know. Like it just, I feel like it made me go insane that like your entire year is to prep to actually be, be a viable business. And if you don't succeed in that time, you might not be able to continue existing. Yeah, it's almost as if the American economy is a big house of cards built on credit, borrowed <laughs> money, and next year's sales and, yeah, and built profit. on consumption that is always expanding, kind of like cancer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like. So. I, so yeah, okay, Christmas. I think any holiday holidays, when you look at them from like a broad scope, they're all like commercialized. Like that's a oh, of big course. part of what separates them from any other day of the year and stuff. I feel like you just have to have your own things that you do. Like it's your own things that make you like Christmas or Easter or whatever it is, you know? And, uh, I feel like that's why it's I'm important. I'm a big fan of not meeting people's expectations though. That's been, that's made me feel good over the, my adult life. Mostly your wife's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, his parents are in there too. Yeah. I mean, really everyone in my, everyone that I care about or that cares about me is I feel like, it's just the cycle Sam, of life. This doesn't sound like this is about holidays. No. It sounds like yeah. it's about something else. It's possibly about We can me. talk about it if we need to, but like, no. again, I- <laughs> you're like, oh, everyone wants to do this. Everyone wants to, do this. like, my thought is just because I see you around Christmas time doesn't mean I owe you a present. I'm, oh, I for sure. Like, I, yeah. I, I, my, I'm from a really big family and we got over doing presents for everybody years ago because, like, it's just impractical. It is. So, we normally like, I get my parents something, they get me something, my wife's family, they're a lot smaller. So everybody gets each other something, but there's only a few people. So it's no big deal. Um, and then everyone else, like the present is just getting to see everybody. And like the present is the families travel in from different places. So everyone can see each other around Christmas time. And that's good. I mean, having kids, it's a little, it's changed a lot. And I think this was one of the better years. Like when kids are little, they just, no one, they don't have personalities and things that they've developed likings for. So like everyone who doesn't know what to get them just gets them like a bunch of bullshit and you come back with a truckload, of, like a trunk full of stuff that you don't have any place for in a tiny house. And like, you're like, oh my, okay. So then you have to like spend a few months like reorganizing and doing all that. So this is the first year where it's like, oh my God, like people didn't really get me much. That, that was awesome. Uh, they focused on the kids, but with like actual, like real practical, good, meaningful gifts or like i don't know i was like i felt good this year uh so i didn't i I didn't ruin it for everybody with my bad attitude uh which was nice and that was my (laughs) christmas present to the family yeah that's that's now we can we can close the book on christmas now sorry 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 so i went and saw avatar (laughs) way of water last night god uh and how that's uh is that is that almost four hours for real with previews, it for sure is. <laughs> well, all right. So, Casey, you said you went. Did you go with anyone else? Let's set the stage here. Yes. Uh, so April and I went with another couple, Ryan and his wife, Ryan, who designed our T-shirts that we did. Yeah. Uh, just and and what maybe led the to... nicest guy ever. Okay. And what led you to decide 
or to invite everybody to to go see Avatar? Like, is this just an idea everyone cooked up having a crazy evening? Someone suggests you go see Avatar. Is well, this something you've been looking forward to? Did you so, plan this for weeks? Last episode, I think I talked about one of my New Year's resolutions was to like get out and try to be people's friends. And so that was part of my plan was like, man, you and Sam oh, really sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm fun once you get me out, you know, okay, it's okay. just that I'm going to drag my feet on it a lot, but uh, no. So we went to, did, got some dinner and then went to Avatar and, um, you know, it is a movie. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to give away any spoilers or anything like that. Um, if you liked the first one, I would imagine you'd probably like the second one. It's impressive. Like the, just looking at it is impressive. I mean, it's phenomenal CGI. It's pretty incredible amount of detail that they put into world building and all of the animals and machinery and all that kind of stuff. Um, that part of it. Very cool. Story wise. I mean, was it even yeah. different than the first one? Not a lot. It was different in the, from the first one in that there was a lot less there. Yeah. <laughs> You're not setting up like the whole like, uh, you know, contrasting like, you know, this like native culture that's got a respect for their environment and that kind of like thrives in this, you know, natural setting and stuff with the, you know, people of Earth commercialized, you know, drill and mine and take it for all it's worth sort of viewpoint, which is heavy handed for sure. Right. right. Um, I would say it's probably a little more heavy handed in this one, just because there's not as much new ground for them to cover here. Uh, you know, the thing that I keep, I notice more and more nowadays, I guess I, I just think about it more is like something that is really funny to me is like the conflicting morality of that's portrayed in movies. Okay. It, it's hilarious to me how like, well, first off movies just continually set up like the same premise. Like yeah, literally yeah. any movie that you go to has like an angsty teenager in it. That's just not quite like everybody else. And there's always someone there that's like, Oh, look at the freak. <laughs> every movie, every TV show, that's the plot line. It doesn't matter if like they move to the country from the city. They're like, Check out City Girl. What a freak. <laughs> the opposite. It's like, oh, check out the country bumpkin. What a freak. <laughs> and at some point, the the character goes, you know, cries to their parents. And they're like, why can't I be like everybody else? And yeah, and then you find out that they're super special. And that's really great. And but th is that the story? Is that is that part of uh, the it could be. The lady in the it's, water or whatever. Well, it's, the fuck. it's a movie from the last 20 years. So, yeah, it's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. Or like, so we've been listening to uh, some stuff about like World War One recently. And it's interesting to like think about the conflict, like the difference in morality and values and stuff like that from that point in time versus now. Like, you mean because we've lost everything that made us great. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, like, I maybe maybe it's just martial values in general, but, like, you, you 
can kind of see that there's like uh there's a lot of emphasis put on like you know playing your part in the bigger machine and doing you know doing your duty and okay and just, yeah yeah you know like you're serving with your unit. stuff yeah exactly but uh now everything is about like this like screw you individualism of like i disobey every orders even if it makes no sense you know because i have to do what i think is right even if it puts all these other people in danger even if it's like totally illogical like it's it's most important that you like follow your heart and you do what you think is right and and that's more important and eventually everything else will sort itself out you know but you just got to all actually good people and if you follow your heart and trust your instincts it'll only work out for the good it, it, it's it's funny because it's that's a that's a theme that comes up a lot in this movie and it doesn't really it doesn't really lead to anything like there's not really a resolution it's just that like you know a character continually just does what he thinks he should do and puts all the other people around him in danger and stuff like that in order to do it and it never works out it's almost always like a a real problem you know, in the, in the script. And that's like something yeah, you builds to a big anyway. conflict at the end. And then there's a big fight and then it all looks like some relationships are going to die, but then they come back to each other and then they win a battle and everything is okay. Right. Okay. That was the plot of the first one. So I was just riffing off of what I remembered <laughs> from that. Uh, it's reminiscent. Dude, and there, I love that this one came out. 12, 12 years after the the first one? I mean, how far removed are we from the first one? Yeah, at least 12 like or 13. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, 14. I guess we're rolling up on 14 years. And yeah, 2009. Yep. And now they're planning like uh, a third movie. I think, I think there's fourth, like right? three. God. Yeah. So why? I, I guess that's what's strange is like, why the long wait? I think the third one. So because they're like, you know, they're, they're getting really heavy handed with their, um, with their storytelling at first you're like there were some people this is before the terms woke were used but uh as a pejorative particularly but the first one was like people related to like pocahontas and like oh this is just to make white people feel bad because you know some people live in that mode of defense uh and being on guard is right like telling a story about colonization on another planet must be an allegory for the bad things we've done here how dare you exactly (laughs) how dare you make me think yeah and if your instinct is to go to that it's like you're the one thinking about that it sounds like you already kind of inherently know that this is a bad (laughs) thing uh let me let me guess casey in the second one is there like a really heavy-handed climate change analogy at any point oh yeah yeah okay there's (laughs) dude it's it's funny how many like weird little things they th- they throw into them to just like like oh yeah hey we're gonna hit on this theme for three minutes yeah right. but you people know don't talk like that like that's it's just throwing things in to to try to cover all your bases I I so the third one I, if I understand correctly is going to be about how they send all the Navi to like uh you know these assimilation boarding schools and uh and then the fourth one's going to be like a few hundred years later they find like thousands of dead ones in the backyard of these boarding schools is that right i mean i could see it going that way (laughs) yeah we're not blazing new trails here (laughs) i think the answer why it took so long though is it's it's james cameron he does whatever he wants whenever he wants on his own schedule very true 
and he's been working on different technology and filming things and excuses for him to get in submarines and go explore the ocean because that's really what he likes doing and like he's just he's at that point of his career where he's like so i'll take 10 years because i want to make it perfect for him like he really is just michael bay who's actually a little more talented like that's james cameron you just gave me a lot more respect for james cameron because i didn't think of it like that he's milking the fuck out of this he's like oh no I'm going to do whatever I want and you're going to pay for it. And then you're going to give me the biggest budget anyone's ever seen for a movie. And guess what? I know it's bad. You know, it's bad and it's going to do great. And no one gives a fuck. It's not bad across the board though. Like visually, I'm guessing Casey, it was incredibly impressive visually, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and the technical volume off and just watch it. (laughs) Well, and, and I'm guessing the technical aspects of like, probably the way he did does his digital like cgi filming techniques and all that stuff is probably really really good like he's probably boundary pushing again absolutely yeah it's just the story is normal right or like average well this i feel like we're at this place right now where like i mean it's i think it's less to do with like oh people just can't digest anything and more to do with the fact that like hollywood's like if we lose money on one more movie we are all going to have to kill ourselves. You know? <laughs> so like, like they don't take chances. Right. But you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, and there's a place for all sorts of different kinds of movies and some should just be fun, you know, but there's just a lot of it. That's not fun. Like it's gruesome. And like the, I like, I hate, you know, a really a really good story has a bad guy that you can understand and relate to, to some extent. Like, you know, if you, if you're like, I like, I love star Wars and I've read a bunch of the books and stuff. And like Anakin Skywalker is not just like this evil man. Like, why is he doing that? Why is he killing these people? Why is he taking over this? Place? Well, he's, he's evil and he evil do evil guy do evil thing, you know? He's got like an arc that like if you follow it, you know, you can see how someone ends up in that mindset and like they're relatable in some way. And like more and more movies nowadays, I feel like and maybe I'm just maybe I'm saying nowadays, but you're like, what is the motivation here? They're just yeah, they're just I don't an think evil that's a thing. I don't think that's a nowadays thing. I just finished rewatching all of the James Bond movies because I've never seen most of them. I've only ever really seen like the Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Gregg ones. And first. Those aren't good movies. No, the Daniel Craig movies, I think are really good. The Pierce Brosnan ones, there's some fun to be had, but like most of the classic ones, they're bad. Yeah. They're just bad movies. And <laughs> the motivations of most of the bad guys does appear to be like, cause we're communists, like, or because I want a satellite that shoots a space laser. Like, what do you mean? Why? Like Thanks Austin yeah. Powers. That's what made like Austin right. Powers doesn't age super well. I don't think, but like a Dr. Evil is evil for evil's sake. Like it's, I think something I realized was pretty a good portrayal. Oh, it was spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I watch a lot of older movies, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is they spend way less time setting up characters that end up being iconic. Even going back to the original star Wars movies. Like I feel like movies these days put way more effort into setting up who a character is and what their motivations are and stuff. And they might do a bad job. Like it might suck, but there's so many classic movies. I feel like when you rewatch them or you watch them for the first time, there's like this beloved character that you're really familiar with because of pop culture or something. And their introduction or something in the movie is like 
very underwhelming. Like they're just dropped in there and you don't really learn anything about them or their motivations. It's like the John Wayne thing. Like who is John Wayne as a character in all of his movies? Like he's John Wayne. Like he shoots the bad guys and rides off with the girl. And like, there's, there is nothing to the character. Yeah. It's like, like the Disney villain kind of yeah. bad guy. Where it's and to like, be fair for star Wars, Palpatine is basically everything that Darth Vader is. And Palpatine's just evil. <laughs> like wrong. No, <laughs> I don't have time to dissect that one. But oh no, I know a lot of his backstory. <laughs> I know a lot of his backstory, and I still feel that way. So maybe that would be a fun conversation sometime. I think that should be a conversation. I want to facilitate I don't, that. No, debate. I don't know. I feel like after gonna, the last uh, like ten years, anyone who really wants to argue in depth about Star Wars things, I think that's my cue to like. I don't know if I need to be in this conversation. <laughs> like maybe that should be our, a good time to jump. It jump should be ship. our. Uh, that should be the the first whenever we decide to get a Patreon going. That'll be the first Patreon episode because we know that the majority of consumers will be like, "I don't, I don't need that. I'll skip that." Well, I, I mean, I'm fully prepared right now, like with no prep, to do about three or four hours on why the Fast and Furious franchise are legitimately some of the best movies ever. Oh, so, God, you're one of Dude, these. This people. is where I dive off the cruise ship. <laughs> maybe that maybe if we uh get a patreon we can all I, i've never seen one of them and i am not a car You've guy never seen no. one of the fat oh my gosh <laughs> we have to do a like watch and review thing oh my gosh <laughs> i've yeah i i know that i don't care for most of the actors in it rest in peace paul walker the only movie i ever really enjoyed paul walker in arguably he wasn't great and he's never been great in anything he's done but uh, running scared was just like okay hold on you don't get to say i've only liked him in one or two things and i haven't seen the no. franchise that put him on the map and his yeah. main acting well, contribution to the I, world a night's you, tale he uh, was on that was a swing oh, and a miss okay <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I mean i saw him in, there's definitely only a handful of movies uh what's the one where he like just swims underwater without a shirt on the whole time Oh, well, uh, with hmm. with Jessica Alba. Yeah, really. That was crappy. a horny movie. I remember deep, people watching Blue. Deep Blue. Yeah. Blue remember... Crush. Blue Crush. No, that was the Blue Crush was a surfer one. That's he I was a surfer. Yeah, there oh, was a bunch of were. weird surfer. Uh, yeah, okay, but it was movies Blue around Crush. that time period. Uh, Surf but, Blue yeah, Crush anyway. was like all. It was like uh, it was more of a like female led story. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. was I, think so. I gotta figure this out now. I think I'm, it's deep, but no, Deep Blue Sea, that's with Samuel L. Jackson, right? Yeah, shark. Right, yeah, that's so, definitely not it. The blue um, might just be the blue. I'm gonna figure it out because now it's bothering me. One well, second, I'm okay, going to so, While you do that, I have, yeah, you know, I'm making judgments on Paul Walker uh, without having seen Fast and the Furious, but. I've seen the commercials and I think, you know, that's you enough. have no idea. You have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. I think we see the extent of his uh, acting capabilities that we, I mean, I, into well, the blue, he's into, into the, the blue. blue. Okay. I mean, I what? thought I watched fast Vin and Diesel? furious, but halfway through realized it was GI Joe. And I just said, ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, the later fast and furious movies are pretty similar to GI Joe. <laughs> I, yeah. When I say like, I love the fast and furious franchise up to furious seven, that's where they like, made eight, right? They've made nine and, and, uh, 10 is coming out and it's going to be a two-parter. And there was the spinoff Hobbs and Shaw. Two-parter. Because they couldn't fit that much storytelling into <laughs> one two and a half hour popcorn sales Sam, device. You've probably heard this. You've probably heard this as 
a joke before, but just in case you haven't, like it is literally a franchise about people who start out stealing DVD VCR combo (laughs) TVs in Southern California and end up going to space to save the world. And that's not a joke. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. It can't be like people like it for the campiness of it then. Right. I mean, Uh, well, a little bit of it, but it, it did legitimately do a ton for car culture. Uh, and the, I'm out. the I'm already out. you lost me, dude. I'm sorry. The family, <laughs> the family aspects that people like to make so much fun of now before yeah. they jumped the shark with that, they did have a several movie run where the action was really cutting edge and like really great action. And the story, if you just turn your brain off and go with like the themes of, you know, love and family and sacrifice and whatever was really well done. And like, they had a sweet spot they were in for a little bit where they were really good. And then they jumped the shark and just got bigger and stupider and bigger and stupider and here we are it's just a movie version of the band throwdown right (laughs) (laughs) they're good movies (laughs) so okay so back to the uh the theme of like evil and you know relatable villains and stuff like that so this this might be like way too big and wild of a question to even really hit on without some thought first but um so I can't tell if you're about to ask a serious question or a total joke, and I'm the anticipation's killing me. <laughs> no, it's a serious you question. Just never tell. <laughs> okay, so we're we like listening to this series about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right? This okay. is a hard and, pivot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's it's in there, right? Because okay. like I feel right. like a lot of well, a lot of the values that show up in movies are like paper thin, right? Like, and that's another thing that's ridiculous because you'll get a speech like midway through about how, you know, we don't kill. Killing people is wrong. We should never kill. And then, like, I mean, 20 minutes later, we're just blasting people in the face. Like the same character screaming woo as they do it. Like you know, John Wick. I'm done with that. And <laughs> I left that life behind. Okay, but his, his motivations are very believable. I know. Someone killed his dog. When I watched that, I was I like, see it. motherfuckers deserve everything they just got. Exactly. Like, yeah, you, you will not <laughs> shame, you're not going to talk smack about John Wick no, here. I, we don't have the time tonight. I, I watched the first one on the plane uh, on my way to visit Casey. And nice. that was, that was uh, so I had missed the, the mark for it, but I was like, oh, this is the first time I sat down and watched a mindless action movie in at least 10 years. And I was like, this is what I re- this is it kind of like brought me back to why they're fun. Like I forgot why they're fun and how they can be fun. And John Wick pulled me back in. I started the second one, but all of them are on HBO Max now so I can actually watch them because it turns out watching them on the Roku app sucks. Fuck you Roku. <laughs> so anyway, back to what was it Israel Palestine. <laughs> so like so America, you know, growing up in the age of like the war on terror, you know, like you look at we were constantly, they were constantly parading stories in front of us on the news and stuff like that of like jihadists doing some sort of extreme action, right? Cutting yeah, somebody's yeah. head off or bombing a civilian target or you name it, whatever. I mean, there's a, there's a billion examples, you know, enough examples. Like if you look at any tough time through history, you find examples of people doing those same things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy for for you know somebody sitting in the comfort of their armchair and stuff like that to look at something at those types of actions and say like 
oh, it's disgusting. That's animalistic. Like who would do that? You would never do that. You know, I, I would never hurt women and children or blah, 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 blah. But then like you start reading about some of these like deeper conflicts that have, you know, you get to a point where like, if you're a young Palestinian kid looking at, you know, the, the Israeli occupation of Palestine, however, however you want to paint that, right? There's decades of oppression and atrocities and all of that kind of stuff yeah. like that. And, uh, and uh, at some point, like, is there kind of like an, the, the, the extremist value might be to like, like, I'm not sacrificing my life for this cause. I'm sacrificing my values for this cause. Yeah. Like well, I'm willing to do something horrendous to try to help the greater cause that we're doing because like movies constantly set it up as like, if we do that to win, then we're just like them. And that just is not realistic. That's just not how things work on this planet or, or ever have. Yeah. It's definitely not that simple. I, I guess I think a good example of that would be like your Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? Who was involved in the plot to kill Hitler, but you can find in his writings that he would have at, at, at points in his, in his writings would have, like he believed what he did was morally wrong, but he felt like there wasn't, there truly wasn't another option. Like he, so, uh, and you can see the conflict in, in his, in his writings there. Um, and I think that's like a good example of that. Cause people want to like, I think people want to make him out to be like this, like uh, because he was a Christian and they're like, he was a hero. He was a part of the plot to kill Hitler. But also at one point, I believe, um, he would have uh, assigned to a more like Christian version of pacifism um, in the way that like in the Jesus way of turning the other cheek and things like that. And he just got to a point where he like couldn't reconcile the the implications of someone like Hitler. Uh, and I think Hitler's the go to example for everything, even if you are a pacifist or you believe in a nonviolent ethic. Uh, people or your Kanye like, West talking about people you admire, <laughs> or that, yeah, or that, and then, uh, yeah, it's like that is the that's like the prime example, <laughs> excuse me, for a lot of things. And oh, you're a pacifist? Are you saying you wouldn't kill Hitler? And you're like, I'm. You're the idea would be that it's not that simple because even Bonhoeffer thought, yeah, let's do this, and then it didn't work. And I mean, an assassinate a failed assassination attempts on dictators usually makes things go even more poorly. Like it's like you better not miss kind of logic. And um, what is it those to saying? If you come for the King, you better not miss. I think is what it is, but it's, but I think that, I think, I think people try to graft heroes into their, uh, their system of belief, right? Like nonviolent people will be like, well, look what Gandhi did. And then you're like, well, I'm a Christian and I, but also Bonhoeffer, I think he did the right thing. And it's like, they kind of strip the meat away and they strip everything meaningful away from it. They strip the inner conflict out away from Bonhoeffer. They strip the, some of the moral failings of people like Gandhi who are like, they also did some weird shit. Uh, it's like not to diminish the great things that people do, but like, but like you use a little pedophile, you know, they, they remove like the humanity and the human context. And they, uh, they just try to pull people into their camp for the sake of winning of an argument. And I think that's where like 
arguments just and Hate conversations it. go south. It's like, are we, do we want to be humans trying to grow and learn and, and find out the best way to, to handle really complex situations? Uh, or do we want to be dogmatic and stay in this camp forever and have utterly and utterly waste everyone's time screaming into the void? Well, I'm like, we're talking about extreme examples for sure with this. I mean, we're talking about murder, right? But to, uh, to, preview our one of our other talking points tonight so like we've got a copy of jesus freaks by dc talk here you know we all remember hearing stories from that book or just general like martyrdom stories in general but okay take killing people off the table yeah all right what about the stories of people who were like hiding jews during world war ii and when the nazis came to the door they were like refused to lie to them whether those stories are true or not, that's the stories that we were told. And, you know, like, it's really easy to look at that example as a person and be like, you weren't willing to sacrifice some sliver of morality to save all these other people. Like, you weren't willing to take a version story. of morality, like not even right. I feel like that's like there's this golden standard of morality where that's always where it's black and white. And then those are people in the, who are just in a black and white mode of thinking. It's like, you're not, you're sacrificing, not just like true morality. You're just willing, you're unwilling to evaluate your understanding of something at the cost of human life, which is so fucked up. Yeah. And it's like held up as like a, uh, an admirable thing. And it just, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, as an adult, having lived out here, in the in the real world you've had to kill I, I, a few people i mean i get it right well, you got to tell a few lies sometimes you know you walk out of walmart with a bag of dog food on the bottom of the cart you don't necessarily scan it you know <laughs> for the greater good i've got to eat but that's the kind of stuff though that there you know it's it's silly to act like like there's no value in like saying I will take this sin on myself to help these other people. And like the idea that they're trying to set up, I think is like, well, God just wouldn't bless something that started with sin and impurity and stuff like that. Like that's man trying to like control things on his own instead of trusting God, blah, 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 whatever, you know, but there's like so many examples down through history of in, this in like, the Bible. Exact- <laughs> Uh, right right where uh, dude the old testament like we've been going through all these old testament stories like thou shalt not kill did not apply to a whole lot of people and it <laughs> didn't it seem like the- thou shalt not murder people have this debate and it's a they'll it's a it's truly Go a back and forth on that could yeah. interpret that i feel like um i feel like bias has a heavy hand in in that but also your it's also translation. I mean, maybe bias can influence an ambiguous translation into English from something that was written in the fourth century B or earlier than the fourth century BC. So I don't know. I just love I just know that the the worst people are the ones that are having that conversation very publicly all the time. Like your Mark Driscoll's and your whatever. Like it's like <laughs> it's it's never a person that you're like, yeah, this is a good one. Let's listen to this conversation it's like you're trying to justify just being an asshole is essentially what you're trying to do you're like you th- this is biblical don't tread on me values and i'm out <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know like what the broader point is with this stuff other than just like that like 
morality in movies is so paper thin and it usually contradicts itself within 30 minutes. And it's just like kind of struck me as funny lately. Like, I feel like I'm noticing that more and more. And, you know, in the case of like, I don't know, like this new Avatar movie, like they they go out of their way to set up this premise in advance when you know it's going to be broken like shortly thereafter. I mean, it doesn't make it 15 minutes and they're breaking this principle that they just set up. And I, I feel like that's what's not compelling about a lot of movies nowadays is that there just doesn't seem to be like a broader point or a, a narrative that they're trying to to tell. It's it's literally just people continually like making rules to break them over I mean, and over and over again. It really shows you that it's actually not modeled after the US at all because we've never broken our stated values. So I can see why people would take that that position that it, it's ridiculous to think that way. So. <laughs> I, I think there are plenty of movies and TV shows doing what you like you're saying you want there, Casey, but it's just not the like super accessible big action movies and stuff just don't tend to do stuff like that. Like sure. Like there's Succession. I'm going to the slop bucket looking for a steak, you know. Yeah. Okay. You were just looking for some good entertainment. And but you also wanted to be challenged a little bit. You wanted to think a little, and you didn't get that from Avatar Two. Or, or the he way didn't of water. want to think at all. And Avatar made him do that by going so far out of their way to try to not make you think that they circled back to making you just sit there and try to like patchwork the entire thing together to work. Well, I think like Avatar's annoying in ways because it's it is that it's a big budget blockbuster action movie that continually tries to like set up emotional despair with just little things that just don't make any sense or they're like gratuitous and kind of over the top. And I don't know. It's just, I I found it to be an annoying movie. Uh, (laughs) It's worth seeing just so, you know, because it's impressive looking and stuff, but like the story just not good. I recently rewatched i think i think we talked about it on here and then it made me rewatch it but i rewatched season one of true detective oh yeah it's it's a perfect example of like doing those things correctly yeah it's it's so good if you haven't seen it you really should go back and watch it like it's gruesome at at parts and and dark very like thematically very dark but you know you you see like What's great about it is that it has characters that are human and still like like the main character, Russ, that's like the the kind of like outcast detective through the whole thing. Like he's this perfect example. He's contrasted with this guy who's his partner, Marty, who Marty is the good old boy that goes to church, that's that constantly like professes virtue in all of these different ways and then breaks them in every way possible. Like he's the guy that talks about family while he's having an affair with it, you know, on his wife. And, you know, he talks about loving his kids, but then he's like abusive towards them and stuff like that. And like, not intentionally, not because he's this evil guy, but because he's human and he just like, does not know how to live his values at all. It's, it's all like, it's, it's, it's professed morality. And rust on the other hand is like kind of nihilistic nihilistic but like has this like code that he follows and like yeah it's right it doesn't win him points and nobody recognizes like those values in him but it doesn't stop him from doing 
the right thing and pursuing, you know, those virtues over and over again. I don't, I, dude, it's so good. I've seen it like four times now. Really? I've never rewatched it again. I've never rewatched a series in my life. Uh, unless maybe that's not true. I've probably gone through like a, a season of, if I watched a season one and then thought my wife would love it, I'd be like, I'll rewatch season. I've probably done that. But for the sake of just rewatching something on my own, I've never done it. And I, True Detective will probably be the first, the first one that I revisit. And I really should. I mean, it, I just remember watching every episode. I remember taking a break from it because it was just like, it's so much and it's intense. And like, you know, to sit down and watch it, you're like, you know what you're getting yourself into. And I like, was like, I'm just not ready to watch that tonight. And I would go like five, six days, like, even though I could have watched it straight out, it probably took me almost a month to watch the, the whole season, which is what less than 10 episodes, probably Eight episodes. I think it's yeah. 10. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's truly like a, a real, like it's a real work of art. Yeah. Absolutely. Season three is also very good. I don't think season three is quite up to season one, but I mean, it's if season one is a hundred percent, I think season three is like 85, 90%. I mean, it, it's extremely good. I'd agree. With I'd that. agree. It's it season two good. for everyone. Look, 20, they tried some, they tried like, some stuff. Don't, okay? Just don't watch it. They did, they did like a Valentine's day thing where they're like, we got, we got Colin Farrell. We got so-and-so. So we got like this whole big star cast that we don't know how to, like we didn't put them into any sort of actual like narrative. You know? Yeah. That was weird, man. So, uh, speaking of weird morality tangents, uh, yeah, I've been applying this to real life. That's exactly <laughs> real life is exactly what we're about to talk to talk about so if uh if you were a youth group kid in the you know in that like 90s and 2000s era you probably remember this book called jesus freaks uh it was put out by i guess this was written by dc talk um had to have been someone else involved it just sounds negative but it just a band putting out a book of collective it's like a collection of store well you'll you you keep explaining it you yeah. know better than I do. DC Talk and the Voice of the Martyrs. Stories of those who stood for Jesus, the ultimate Jesus freaks. And I remember getting this as a young as a as like a teenager for Christmas or something like that. And it's a lot of stories of like martyrdom and people, you know, facing down death or despair, you know, but holding firm to their faith and uh, it's, it's an interesting book to revisit. I remember I didn't love, I didn't love this book when I was younger. Uh, I remember reading it and hearing some of those stories where it was like, they just wouldn't lie. And so, you know, like the Nazis found the people and they all died and just really not getting it and kind of that, talking that my story is in this book. I don't know. I mean, I okay. haven't found that this time around. I remember okay some a couple of things along those lines that were in the book that like I went and talked to my pastor about but it's uh it's dude there's so many weird stories in here um and one thing that's interesting about this too is that all of these stories there's a lot in this book none of them have any like footnotes or references like there's huh. nothing saying like you know as told by or from the book of blah, blah, blah. It's it's just like a story, a lot of them about like nameless, faceless people from, you know, the comedies. Dude, 
I would love to do a word search on this video or on this book and find out how many times communists and communism is used in it. Oh my God. I like that that trend hasn't died out. In fact, I think it's had a bit of a resurgence, which has been kind of nice. <laughs> you would think that like the communists, like ultimate goal was to district, like they did everything else. Like they, they, they toppled the, uh, the czarist government to destroy Christianity. <laughs> you know? Well, I was, Recently, uh, at uh, well, I guess it doesn't matter. I was out, I was at my in-laws, and Newsmax is on, and I found myself watching some of it, and it was like this talking head going going off on communism, and it was like communism is always evil. Communism's intent is to destroy everything. Like it was just like these weird, like the same. It's just the same shit you've been hearing forever, and. I find myself triggered by things like Fox news sometimes when I watch it, but as time goes on, you watch it and you just like, you're almost, you, you're less triggered and more just like dumbfounded. You're, you kind of even smirk at it. You're like, I'm looking at an adult man on television, just ripping all the buzzwords, every single one possible. They have little nicknames for all these different political groups who vote certain ways. And then, like one of the things he he was just abs he even ripped on some G this is how you know G Newsmax is like really just legit in their idea like really ideologues is like they ripped on Mitch McConnell because he teamed up with the evil dangerous communist Democrats because and sided with China and then they go then they pull up this poll and it's like two thirds of Americans believe that Biden and the Democrats put China first and America second. And then you're like, where's the no. fucking source? I swear to fucking God, that was exactly what they said. Swear to God. And it put it up on the screen with a giant two thirds. And then it's like in the bottom real small before the, it just like you see very quickly where it's from, but not enough time to really see it. And I wanted to be like, who conducted this poll? Because literally Two thirds of the country do not believe that. They probably asked like a misleading question that people answered, and they're like, "This works the way we need it to." So here we go. Two thirds of Americans believe that, and it's all—it's still that. It's still communism. They can't. They can't. And and the Democrats are communist, and it's like, I don't. The, the irony that they can't of, of it is like, as someone who is generally a leftist in a lot of their thinking, like you look at the, it's just. You kind of look at them and they're just like, you, you, we get it. You're two sides of the same coin. Like you're, it's all this. You're not, no one's helping. You're all in bed with different big businesses. You're just taking money from different people. And you think that the money you take makes you better than somebody else. And it's just listening to the same old talking points of communism. What are the, what do, what do, what do Democrats uh, rip on when it comes to GOP. Do they have, uh, is there a uh, uh, fascism? Just I mean, racism and yeah, fascism, racism, racism. fascism, the good stuff, which I mean, I probably think is there in a lot of their <laughs> votes, but uh, the, the end goal for most of these people is to hold on to their money and power. And they use the words and means necessary to appease their base in order to keep that. So, um, to answer the question from earlier, it looks like that book was a collaboration between DC Talk and Voice of the Martyrs. Which okay. I imagine a lot of people have probably heard of Voice of the Martyrs. Yes. They're is that like an organization? Yep. Their mission is to defend the human rights of persecuted Christians. Um, 
founded in 1967 by Richard Wormbrand, a Lutheran priest, a Pentecostal a Romanian of Jewish descent who spent 14 years in a communist prison for his faith in Christ in the Socialist Republic of Romania, which had a policy, policy of state atheism. I read his story not super long ago here. It was so, It's somewhere in the book here. Yeah, there's, I think that's, you know, we've said it before talking about like conspiracy theories, but that's, that's where the conspiracy veers off into, into like dumb dumbville. Okay. When, (laughs) when the, the motivation cannot be explained by, yeah, so-and-so wants to make more money and keep their power. Like that's the motivation. That's the motivation of every ugly, bad, corrupt thing that's going on in the world is somebody trying to make more money or hold on to the money they have. That's it. So when you start like getting beyond that to where it's like, well, you know, it's because the globalists believe in depopulation. And so because they're in league with Satan and so they need to kill off, you know, 30% of the world's population because, you know, that's what they believe. Like, <laughs> exactly. we're, we are talking about nothing at this point. Well, yeah, like, I mean, that 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 obviously is dumb. But do you really think it's it's just money and power? Like, I think there are real ideologues that. Yeah, there are. That are true I, believers in their causes of different types. It's not not saying money never factors into it, but. I think it always factors into it. And I'm not saying you're not saying that, but maybe you wouldn't. I'm saying I think money always factors into that. I think money changes people. And I think that when you get to a position of political power and you rub shoulders with everybody everywhere, uh, I mean, what the New York Times, was it the New York Times that just like broke a story on uh, corruption, just the corruption of the Supreme Court and how they all have set up these little charities and that people who are involved in cases that they're litigating on are donating to these quote unquote charities uh, that they've all invest, that they've all they've all made that they're all major uh participants in and benefit from financially and and what even <laughs> like additionally like you look at the supreme court and has like no code there's no code of ethics for the supreme court there's no reason to ever recuse yourself from a case because they're like supposedly the arbiters of justice in a way that they're so so independent and neutral that they could never actually vote uh, litigate on a case because it's beneficial to them in some way, or it's just like I. So, like when you look at the Supreme Court, I would argue, yeah, there's ideologues in, involved in there, but it. I think if you strip the money away from that, people just don't craft themselves to ideology. Like their ideologies are going to come through because they're getting money from people who want them to to make those ideologies the law of the land in some way. Uh, I think I, it's I think it's hard to find ideologues right now. I feel like that's kind of like a part of the the era that we're in right now is it's like uh, in politics or like you're talking like just period like, hmm. OK, if you go back, you know, 100 years and you look at like, you know, the Bolshevik revolution and stuff like that, like Lenin is a true ideologue. There was nothing about that that was like him trying to just like seize money and assets from people so that he could like, you know, live a, a, a certain kind of lifestyle. Like he was a true believer in communism and, and that was his goal was to bring it about, you know, is, is like more like a religion almost than, you know, a, a system of government or anything like that. But right now, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, 
think of anyone that I would say is like a true ideologue that has any sort of like real power at all. That yeah, that has any sort of power. I I think I feel similarly. I want Jeremiah to dissent just for the sake of conversation. And I feel like I don't know if you're going to. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it would all come down to how you're going to define those things, an ideologue or a true believer or some significant amount of power. Like, I think if you're just talking politics, people who are true believers tend to get filtered out before they attain power on a national scale because they're not willing to play the game to get to the point where they can have real power. So they get filtered out. Or yeah. you're willing to play, and if you are willing to play the game, you do it long enough where you literally just cast away your ability to to be per, perhaps a player yeah. based on your values. Mike or, Liddell or is an ideologue. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> that's fair to say. Um, not that money doesn't factor into it, which it does. But that I think there's plenty of like big business leaders that are believers in the things that they do, but they're just out of the spotlight and don't really have power in that sense. So like they're they're kind of irrelevant to the conversation, but they have achieved some large layer of success that has nothing to do. Well, through their dollars to people who are not ideologues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then there's organizations will use voice of the martyrs, like an example. I think there's plenty of those ideologue type organizations. Do they want donations? So they can stay up and running. Sure. But like, if their only motivation okay, yeah. is being successful, they're doing a really bad job at it because <laughs> they're just bumming everyone out. With yeah, their I, stories of suffering, I guess. I yeah, I I guess, but I mean, that's for sure. There's a lot of those, but that's not. That's also not like a. That's not somebody with power, you know. I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, there's lots of true believers. There's yeah. lots of people with power. The intersection between them, I think, is going to be hard to find because those groups will, those values will like cancel each other out on the way up. It's a lot harder to become really famous and powerful than it used to be. Maybe that's all along the lines of what you're saying is like, I feel like if you look at the histories of lots of famous people in the past, it was like, and then he got a job clerking for the, this judge over at this courtship. And then two years later, he was in charge of this. And then five years after that, he was the president of the United States. And like, it just, it seemed like when there were fewer people and there was a lot less mindshare going around, maybe it was the people who survived the the litmus test of like being remembered in history, right? So you're eliminating huge swaths of people that probably had very interesting lives and they just never got written down anywhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it did seem like it was easier to like quickly ascend and it was less of a, a dog fight. And so maybe you, it was easier to get an ideologue up at the upper levels of power or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, to your point, I think what you're saying about them canceling each other out on the way out on the way up is what I'm thinking of as ways that just uh, it, when you're as, as soon as I, as soon as you are okay, a good example, right? When uh, you had like Republicans essentially voting against what was like, the, what was the Kevin McCarthy? You talked about speaker of the house. The, I'm talking about the health for the, the veterans and burn pit victims and stuff like that. Like by and large Republicans voted against that on principle because they were like on the principle of they were angry at Democrats for not passing something that they wanted. And they were like, fuck you guys. And they're willing to let all these veterans who are suffering affliction from being around toxic burn pits in Iraq, even though they're 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 If you want to, if they ideologically, they're the party that totes that they care about the veterans and they care about the military and they, they paint the Democrats as people who hate the military and don't care about those who are fighting for freedom. And then when it comes down to a vote to protect the people that say they care about, 
I mean, almost you may almost unanimously, they just like shut it down. And, and I shouldn't say almost unanimously, but by a, a very large majority, uh, you have a small few that will stick to their guns and vote their conscience. Uh, but that's not the majority. And our, so even though, yeah, you might be able to argue that those exist, that maybe the few that voted their conscience, those exist. Maybe they are ideologues, but our system is set up to favor people who aren't. Uh, and therefore you'll never, you'll, you're just not going to, well, even like the two boogie, like think of the two like boogeymen of each side, you know, like look at like Marjorie Taylor green and AOC. There you go. Yeah. AOC completely like turned her back on like the labor unions and stuff like that this year. Yeah. You know, and, and then chimed in at the very last minute to like, try to get her name under the header there and stuff like that. Like she did not go out and advocate for those, but the right would have you believe that like, she's this leftist ideologue Marxist that wants to like overturn the constitution and institute like, you know, carbon credit systems for your kids sack lunch. But then <laughs> on the other side, you know, like the the left makes like Marjorie Taylor green out to be like this horrible ideologue that, you know, is, whatever all the claims right but like she took like 200 grand worth of ppp loans you know she'll be out there talking about like government spending and deficits and all of that kind of stuff and then meanwhile she just like scalped 200 grand out of the government during the whole like i don't COVID think most of people's issues thing. with marjorie taylor green are about her ideology around like fiscal responsibility i think it's more around like the racism and the but nobody's like shoot elected officials and that type of stuff (laughs) that's that's the thing is like these there aren't like these extremist purist candidates that like change history except bernie except bernie that that's who we're missing from this rock and paul bernie okay I just wanted to take the wind out of Sam's sails. He is a true believer in dissolving the Fed and going back to the gold go, standard. Yeah. Whatever else you want to say about him, he totally believes those are real things that he could do. Yeah. Hey, Lenin would not have stood by and let like the media cut him out of the debates, or you know, that's endorsed true. Joe Biden after being screwed in the primaries, like he was a radical and an ideologue that would have like taken to the streets and gotten it done at all costs. You yeah. Know? Even that's what we don't have now is, is a right. Lenin? we will <laughs> yeah. eventually. Wait, I don't, like, I don't like the direction Casey's going here. We will eventually have someone who takes matters into their own hands. Dial up the suffering. Enough, okay. Right. Uh-huh. You get enough turmoil on this at the street level. And one of those will pop up. That's like the, the, the recurring theme of history is that oh, like, okay. things get I see bad enough mean. on the ground, a real one will spring up and you won't have to paint them as some sort of like devoted, uh, you know, ideologue. Like yeah. they will yeah. be that. Fetterman type. <laughs> so anywho, who wants to hear about dead kids? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I wasn't sure how to steer back to this, but I was curious. So if you've been reading some of the stories, are there any that stand out to you as like, I'm sure there are plenty of real stories that are, heartbreaking or, or horrible in there right um or elements of them are, are true but are there any that stand out as being like particularly notable for being crazy okay so yes there are lots of uh pretty gruesome stories in here that uh so one of the things that's tough about this is that like 
you kind of have to like go see if you can verify the story elsewhere if you read it in here. And some of them, like there was one about uh, North Korean Christians that, you know, they like hung their kids and then ran over them with a steamroller in front of a lot of people. And like, I didn't get to research it a lot, but it seems to be true. North Korean Christians did this to their kids? No, the, the, the evil, disgusting communists in North Korea did that to good, faithful Christians. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. And that does uh, seem to be what happened. Yeah, I believe it. If, if, you, if you start anything off with in North Korea and you know it's going to be dark, it's... Or like in Russia the in the, the 60s and 70s yeah. or something. You're like, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. A, a lot of these are in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wet, tons of them in Russia. Okay, so this, is, uh, this one's called Take the Oath. And it's Valia Vashenko, who was a 12-year-old uh, girl. a Killswitch song. Yeah. USSR, 1960s. Uh, it says, every eye in the room was upon Valia as the director of the school called her name again. Valia Vashenko, the director said firmly, take the oath. Valia's mouth stayed shut tight. Valia, say the oath, he commanded. Valia, very well, I will read it in your name. Weeks earlier, the director of the school had decided that it was time that Valia, a 12-year-old Christian girl in Russia, should become a member of the communist children's group known as Pioneers. This is big Valia. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego vibes right now. <laughs> <laughs> Valia refused, but refusal was not hers to make. By law, the director took the place of her parents. When membership day came, the girl stood in a group before a table on which were laid the three-pointed red pioneer scarves. One by one, the other girls had stepped forward to take the oath and put on a scarf, all but Valia. As the director prepared to read the oath for Valia, he pointed to two other girls. You will place the scarf on Valia's neck as I read. He began, I, a young pioneer of the USSR, before my comrades, patriots deciding the question of my admission into the organization, Promise that I shall stand firmly for the cause of Lenin and for the victory of communism. I promise, dot, dot, dot. But his next words were drowned out as Valia burst out in prayer to God and began to sing a hymn. We will stand firm for the gospel faith for Christ, following his example, forward all, forward after him. That okay. sounds like how a 12-year-old talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, Before we uh, keep going any further, I... I don't, maybe a little bit later, I don't know if anyone will have much to contribute to this, but there's, um, there's a point in one of Paul's letters, uh, St. Paul to be exact, in case some people are not on a first name basis with Paul here. Uh, and he talks about using his nationality when it serves him and then using his, like his faith in Jesus when it, it suits him. And you see times in which he uses his Roman citizens, his Roman citizenship to his advantage. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about in light of probably a lot of these stories where it's like, like what benefit is it to you to not lean into your nationality or citizenship for the sake of what you say would be because we have plenty of Christian stories of like, uh, of sub being subversive and uh playing the part like you're like you get it's basically like trying to uh have all the sexiness of james bond and double agency uh but under the banner of christianity you're like well you know we we coast through as a citizen but then uh on the side we lead these bible studies and it's like 
you, there's so many stories like that uh, where they're probably do, uh, participating in the the day-to-day aspects of being a citizen wherever they are and then doing their underground Bible studies and churches and things like that. And I think that's what's uh, those in what Paul says specifically about his Roman citizenship juxtaposed to stories like this. It just doesn't even feel like you can make a good case for being this uh what's the word I don't know dogmatic. What, yeah, dogmatic, I guess, is a good one. Uh about something like this. So many of these stories are told from like this completely post Cold War American perspective of like you can't be a communist and a Christian. You know, sure, like, yeah, that yeah. is like the overwhelming point in a lot of these stories is like they refused to say that they were communists and, and that was the same as like echoing their faith, blah, blah, blah. And like this one in particular, there's no anything here about what happened to her afterwards or anything like that. Like that's where the story ends as she sings what? to him. And then there's like a footer underneath the story that says again and again in Russian schools, Christian children would stand up in class to pray out loud and to witness. These children were beaten and forced to leave their families, but others followed their example. In 1963, prayer was banned in American public schools. Oh, my God. Did you see it coming? Yeah. (laughs) April was reading this to me in the car, and the minute she hit that paragraph, I'm just like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) What would have happened if American parents had taught their children not to submit to this decision? They would have not been beaten, and their parents would have not ended up in jail as in Russia. Here in the United States, the First Amendment of our Constitution guarantees us freedom of speech and freedom of religion. What have we done with that freedom? Must we wait until it is taken away as it was in communist Russia or other dictatorial societies before we grow bold enough to stand up and proclaim Jesus before others? You know what? This actually, depending on the circle you live in, ages quite well. Yeah. <laughs> the, message, the message hasn't changed one bit. It's hilarious to make compare like ah oh god. It, it it's so frequent that where people, especially like people on the right, make these comparisons to like their minor inconveniences here as if it was communist where you know how many people the communist government in Russia killed? That just for Christian. like being inconvenient, yeah. just for like living in the wrong place <laughs> right, and like, eating food. Like, right? Did they <laughs> did they kill some people just because they were Christians? I mean, maybe. And like, not to invalidate the suffering of those people, but like the other twenty million, yeah, could it, it was a lot of other reasons. Like, I mean, you could probably write an entire book of people who were murdered for having mustard on their uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's Dude. that's what that's what a lot of like classical. Uh, evangelism across the globe would have you think right is that a lot of this stuff comes down to just it's good versus evil all these countries or these governments hate god and hate christianity and that's why they persecute these people and like again not to invalidate the suffering of good devout christians across the globe because obviously those things have happened but like real history is way more complicated than that and it's a lot more common that's like no you're just also a part of this other people group that that terrible government what you know, they were inconvenient, like Casey said, or like they wanted you to move somewhere else or like whatever. It very rarely comes down to just 
oh, they're a Christian. It's the same thing as people now saying like they're being kicked off social media for being right wing or conservative. It's like, no, 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 no. Say the whole story. Like, it's not because you were conservative. It's because because you just wrote the N word 50 times and right. It, <laughs> right. It's like it, you might happen to be conservative, but there's more to this story. And and again, that stinks because there are, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of, of good devout Christians who have been persecuted to some degree in other countries, primarily because of their faith. Like that is a absolutely real thing. I, in the same definitely. way. Yeah. Like, and it's a good thing that Christians here in America would never persecute anyone for their faith, uh, like right. Muslims, uh, you know, or people who don't have faith for their whatever. Like, I, I persecution. Be the change you want to see in the world. They take that very seriously. Right. Persecution. And like, I think it was what Casey said, or no, I, th- I guess, Sam, you said it. Comparing a minor inconvenience or like someone disagreeing with you to persecution, I think is pretty insidious because it does invalidate like the real suffering of people across the globe. That, that Absolutely. That's a great point. That's what a lot of the stories it sounds like in this book will do is like you can't now i still think you can discuss the uh, it, the conversation around this gets weird depending on as, as your beliefs change right because like people talk about this in relation to christian persecution during the roman empire or like during the the pax romana uh the peaceful it's like it's a negative piece right it's like yeah people it was there was peace that was maintained through fear of being killed for falling out of line but there was a unification and it was like as really as long as you like paid your taxes and did your the shit you were supposed to do like there wasn't a lot of care about what what god you worshiped that did change uh but that's because it didn't change because uh there was a just a dislike towards differences of belief. It was if we're going to maintain what we have, being subversive to that is going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, if you have people like trying to subvert the system, it's just going. Yeah, I mean, it'll cause. You're like, oh, well, let's just squash that. That looks like a movement, and that's going to be a problem for us because if that picks up speed, you just go squash this stuff ahead of time. So, it was. I think it's painted often as they hate your faith. Your faith is what bothers them about you. But it's really like in a lot of historical context, I'm not really trying to justify. Obviously, I'm not trying to justify persecuting anybody under any circumstances, but I think they just kind of misconstrue it. And it's it's about what it could look like if a movement started um, historically. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there are places now where it's just like, yeah, fuck that shit. We don't want we we want everyone to be the same. Like even if you pay your taxes and do everything you're supposed to do and you're not being disruptive, if we find out this is what you're doing, we're still going to come after you for it. And you do see that. And you know, there's plenty of stories of like this happening in China. Uh China's of course known for uh not treating individualism well. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but like they're but they're also terrible to Muslims and things too. Like exactly. that doesn't excuse it. Worse to yes. Muslims. Yeah, worse to Muslims, uh, but or like then you have the Uyghur uh, genocide. Right. Like they're it, they're bad to everyone. It's not exactly uh, so. It's not because they're Christians. It's it's rarely because it's of that. It, if you are a Christian and you're and you're being persecuted, you probably feel like it's for your faith. But I think what becomes strange, uh, it's easy to be flippant for me about this, and because it's like. I guess I just honestly think they're so wrong about the level of commitment they need to have to their understanding and interpretation of 
the quote unquote gospel that like they're willing to go through that. Uh, and just for the sake of like standing on a street corner and just singing a hymn and singing praises to God and acting like they did the right thing and that they're suffering for that is yeah, it's tragic, but like, why can't we be that bold in our faith? It's like, no, don't. No one should be. That's dumb. That because that's not getting you into heaven. That's not getting you in doing the opposite. It's not getting anyone to hell. So when when you stop believing in that, it just it feels like such a fucking waste. Uh, and it, it, it I look at it as like a, it just feels like a fucking tragedy at that point. Like you you were duped into like abandoning your family by having yourself martyred for a cause that is ultimately untrue and like the famous story of that that guy a few years ago who kept wanting to go contact that uncontacted that tribe and exactly and it. everybody told him not to do it and he kept but like he said it was god's mission for him and stuff and like i want to give a lot of christian organizations credit a lot of christian organizations it seemed like the ones he talked to still gave the advice of like i this maybe isn't a good idea like his motivations didn't seem to be pure yeah and and it ended of course really badly for him but like I guess that that dogged persistence of like, I'm going to do this in spite of nobody there wanting me and nobody here wanting me. Well, that must mean I'm on the right track. Like, yes, because I'm encountering more resistance. And like, maybe the answer is you're just being a jerk. Like, yeah, not to speak poorly of the guy because he's dead, but it seemed like in life he was an inconsiderate jerk who like he whether you can say he was he brainwashed the gospel. Yeah. Was he an ideologue? Like maybe he was a true believer. Maybe he had an ego and he was stubborn. Quote unquote, and true true believer is a weird word too, right? Like how, what yeah. is that? What does that mean? It's everyone thinks they are. And nobody else is. And I think he's a great example because even when you look at everything, all the organizations that told every organization that were like, we're not going to co-sign this. And we think you're kind of crazy. Every single one of them, if I guarantee it, if you look at their system of their, their belief statements and their rhetoric, they line up with exactly what that kid did. And if mm-hmm. that kid did it and was successful, what if he did that and was successful? It would have made it into every one of their fucking pamphlets. Maybe it, I, it's possible. I don't know. I, I again, I think the real answer is it's just, it's more complicated than something pure of like, he wanted to share the gospel and they told him not to. And like the real answers are a lot more complicated of like, yeah, but you could spread disease and they don't know you. And like a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with Christianity are really the real reasons, but the stated ones, his stated purposes never changed, you know, but even we, though we have those stories through it, we have historical context to look at stories where people just airdropped into native lands and were like, here we go. And some of them died. Some of them did. Was it Nate Saint? Is that the guy? And then like the person that killed the guy that Nate Saint, his son and Nate Saint's son ended up being pals and they do a mission stuff together. Now, like, Oh yeah. One of those stories. Yeah. Right. You have those it, and Christians love the shit out of them. They will <laughs> just listen to them. They don't, that's, they don't even need porn at that point. They just plug those into that in their ears and they just <laughs> jerk off until. And so I, I get that's what drives me nuts is I honestly I think this this I do we know this kid's name or we just uh, keep calling him this kid I can try to look him up um you're but talking think, about the one that got killed on the beach yeah, yeah. by a spear he could have been in the movie end of Oof. the spear it could, that end of the spear too is gonna could have been about this kid if only he converted somebody if only God showed up John Allen Chow yeah Chow? that's it yeah 
Uh, but yeah, I just, I honestly, I think if it played out differently, whichever, I mean, yeah, logic says it wouldn't. And, uh, but we have examples in history, a handful where you go against logic and it works out and people were like, oh, wow, that's because the Lord pulled through for you. And it well, was a lot of situations way. over, you know, I mean, I knew people that translate you know, that went into a remote tribe in Papua New Guinea and translated the Bible and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, if you don't, I don't know. I, I, I think we're on the same page when it comes to like what he did in the reasons that people advised him not to do it were right. Like, yeah, you could spread disease. Yeah, this is a bad idea. And I think those organizations were right for doing that. But I'm saying if it went a different direction and things worked out the way he wanted them to, they would have people would have co-signed it and been like, wow, God's look how good God is. And it would have showed up in books like this and and by them also not co-signing it. He could have been smarter about it. Possible. I mean, not possibly. He could have been, he could have been smarter about it, but I just, I think that the language and the, the, the God shows up when you trust in him, like all the language around missions, Christian missions. Uh, I don't, I think the actions of some of these organizations, when they try to be like logical about it, uh, I think that they're actually going against their stated values in those cases. Well, and it's also only the very notable stories that get recorded of these type of things. Like I'm guessing Jesus Freaks, the book doesn't have a story about like some guy that graduates from some Christian university and then wants to go on the mission field to Chicago. And he does that for a couple of years and then slowly becomes disillusioned and then gets a job, uh, you know, like a white collar office job and then slowly just moves on with his life. Like that's not <laughs> he opens there's, there's, a pawn shop. Right. There's just not a whole lot to talk about with that. Like they, they've got to look for people that something crazy happened to them one way or the other, like crazy right. success or crazy failure. And the crazy failure, I guess, is like a, a way to elevate the stakes. Like you need you need people to believe that the stakes are that high and that's something that could happen to them if you want them to be all in. And it's the same with anything. I mean, like, you know, look at stories about people who started businesses. I mean, there's lots of stories out there of people who like bet it all on this idea and then it didn't work out, you know, yeah, and nobody's tons. telling stories about them. I mean, very few even get, you know, reach that point of like, well, you know, he, he swung for the fence and, you know, it didn't work out, but you have to admire him for trying. Like, you're right. It, you hear about it when it works. Cause it's more interesting to hear about, but let me, let me just give you guys a quote here and see if maybe you can place who said this. George Bush. Some Christians don't. Jump ahead. Sorry, sorry. Some Christians haven't even attempted to think about whether or not they would die for Jesus because you know why? Because they haven't really been living for him. I, yeah, I really saw that one coming. Ooh, uh, was it Billy Graham? Wow. Uh, Jerry Falwell. Billy Graham. DC Talk. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> they quoted well, themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they gave themselves a page spread. That's amazing. Well, it's their book, so they. I guess you know. I guess yeah, all they books can. are navel gazing. DC talk was that like? Is that a lyric of theirs, or did all five of them work on that one sentence together? <laughs> I think three of them. Three of them. Three Sorry. of them did. Sam believes in the conspiracy theory about the two shadow <laughs> DC talk members. <laughs> <laughs> shadow it's like, members. It's like the DC fifth talk. Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's what we need to talk to kevin max it's michael w smith and stephen curtis chapman like we're just hiding there in the wings the I would, dude, power behind the get, kevin max turned down like 
he was on. He, when we talked to him, he was like, he gave us a thumbs up, and then a few months later, he's like, I honestly, I actually, I'm not doing any podcasts. And some sometimes people lie to you because they just don't want to do your podcast, and that's fine. It might not be the best fit for everybody. Even thinking about last week's episode, putting out the one with uh, Brady Goodwin, and thinking about some of the conversations we had on the intro leading up to it, I could see somebody not wanting to like advertise <laughs> that. I think it went a little off the rails, and yeah. That happens here. So I, if he was, sometimes people might just not want to do it if they look at our Instagram page or give this thing a little bit of a listen. Uh, But I truly haven't seen him do anything. So I think he was being honest about that. Let's read a story that he likes. If we got him on this and we just read him stories from this book and asked him how he felt about it now, how do you think that would go? It would be really fun, actually. (laughs) (laughs) This one is about Maria and Varia. They're 18 years old in the USSR in the 1960s. Um, Maria and Varia? And Varia. It's two, I, two women. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was Maria and Varia, and then they accidentally used gender-neutral pronouns. That's I was wondering the same thing. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is interesting. So well, This hadn't been invented yet. This is like, what, the year 2000? Yeah. <laughs> this is like, uh, this is a great, like, storyline intro for uh, the next avatar movie this would they'll have some version of this okay it says the two russian teenagers had once been schoolmates in a communist boarding school varia a member of the communist youth organization had constantly teased and tormented maria a christian in response maria prayed for the young communist with special concern one day varia said i cannot understand what a being you are how so many insult and hurt you, and yet you love everyone. Maria said, God has taught us to love everyone, not only friends, but also enemies. And Varya, as most teenagers would do, says, can you love me too? Maria hugged her, and they both began to weep. Not long afterward, Varya received Jesus as her personal savior and witnessed openly to everyone about it. And was no longer a communist. <laughs> yeah, you're jumping ahead again. So, uh, Maria wrote her parents. We oh, went that together. The the story. I, I thought that's not like the end. That was a solid conclusion. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe I've judged these... this book harshly. That's just, that's a nice story. <laughs> that's <laughs> just all... like giving it, you know, getting ready for the story about these two young friends. Oh, these okay. all one page? Nah, they kind of run the gambit between like one and three or four pages. So it's not necessarily designed to be read like a devotional. No. If you can't read three or four pages when you're looking at if, for a devotional. That just goes against <laughs> devotional code. <laughs> Trying to keep your uh, New Year's resolution, you know, read one every day. <laughs> so uh, this, is, this is where we sense a change for Maria here. Since Maria wrote her parents... We went together to the Assembly of the Godless, which in in parentheses it says the school's communist youth club meeting. Oh my God. It's like, it's like Assemblies <laughs> of God, but worse. It's like communist Awanas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I warned her to be reserved, but it was useless. I went with her to see what would happen. After the communist hymn, various sent, came forward before the whole assembly courageously and with much feeling she witnessed to those gathered about her about jesus her savior she implored all to give up the way of sin and come to christ all became silent and no one interrupted her when she finished speaking she sang with her splendid voice the whole christian hymn 
I am not ashamed to proclaim the Christ who died to defend his commandments and the power of his cross. Russian lyricism. I mean, it's almost as good as it's almost as good as Hillsong, but just not quite there. They don't they don't. There's not like any Russian T-Swift songs, you know? Yeah. Afterwards, they took Varya away. We know nothing about her, but God is powerful to save her. Pray. Months passed after their single visit in prison. Then Maria received a letter from her friend who was in a Siberian labor camp. So basically, like, they went to the communist youth organization, and she, like, interrupted it and talked about Jesus and sang a song. And so they put her in a Siberian labor camp. Okay. And uh, this is another story with just no references or anything like that. There's a letter from her. And it says and we know for sure this is from her. I mean, this one doesn't seem like a story that's that hard to believe. Like, I'm sure plenty of people got arrested for a variety of minor things. And like, but why do we kids. have this information? Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't disagree that that could have happened. I just think it feels so strange to have this many stories and to have a letter. But like, there's just no like, like who has this information? Where was it kept? Like, I know why. How did that, it get? That to is us? how a lot of these are. Where you're like, where did this come from? It doesn't say. I mean, that would be a fun question for Kevin Max. I'm going to reach back out to him. We get We have to settle this once and for all. Yeah. So the letter from her is basically just like, uh, things suck here, but I keep praising God. And there's other people who are now praising God too. And eventually every single person there did. And then they opened the doors and let everybody out. And there was a revival in Russia. Exactly. And the KGB like, came in and gunned every communism. single one of them down. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's just story after story of that kind of stuff where it's like, it's either something really horrific or it's something like it that seems so benign. And yeah, you just wonder, like, where did this come from and why do we have it? Yeah. Honestly, those aren't even really like, not to just diminish people standing up for. I don't know. You could argue that, you, it, oh, yeah, it's like good to stand up for your values. But then, you know, sometimes you get a January 6th out of it and you're like, well, maybe don't stand up for those values in some way. Uh, but I, like some of these, like just the two you went through, you're like, it feels like if this is going to be a book about stories to motivate people to be more on fire for their faith, that they should be better stories. Well, like that, Okay, here, maybe I should have started with this one, <laughs> okay. because this is how the book starts, okay? She was 17 years old. He stood glaring at her, his weapon before her face. Do you believe in God? Is this Columbine? This is Columbine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fake Columbine story. <laughs> this scene could have happened in the Roman Colosseum. It could have happened in the Middle Ages, and it could have happened in any number of Oh, they had guns in the, the Roman Colosseum? Today. But it yeah. happens once to twice a month at a, at a school in America. For the <laughs> no. They actually did have AK-47s in Roman times, but, you know, people just preferred the net and trident. You know, uh, that's a movie I would really love to watch, honestly. <laughs> Remember that video game that came out that was like that? It was like it wasn't maybe I don't know, maybe like six, eight years ago, but it was like you go back in time with them. AK-47 and fight in the like civil war. No, I don't no. remember this at all. I feel like it was called like the darkest of days or 
the right. Dark Days I'm or something. I'm Googling. Keep going. That I never like played a... it. It didn't get good reviews, I don't think. No. I can imagine why. Uh, yeah, so Darkest that's where we days. started. Time travel to the American Civil War. I have never heard of this before. Wow. What system? What con- what, uh, what did it come out on? Uh, it was 09, so I guess like what? PS3, Neo Geo. Xbox. <laughs> Neo Geo. <laughs> interesting sorry Uh, yeah so we'll have to like pull a few more stories from here at some point um you know we hit we hit hard on the communists this time so next time maybe we ought to try the muslims out yeah why not (laughs) i mean certainly the only persecution uh between christians and muslims has been a one-way street so there was one i can't find it now but there was one where it was like a little boy and he was like, I don't know, being tortured or something. And his parents like, like encouraged him to keep like singing the hymn or something like it, it was just gruesome and ridiculous. Was uh and this boy grew up to be Ron DeSantis, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he was tortured by migrants. <laughs> oh, man. So. Jesus freaks, uh, worth a pickup, guys. And I will say, I like uh, I like the little stamp on the front, and it has roughly pages, so it looks old. Oh, that's I cool. remember like, that. That was a whole style back in can, the day. Can we get matching tattoos of that coin? Yeah, this isn't a <laughs> book. The roughly pages, I think, officially make it a tome. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many pages is it? It looks like it's got really thick paper. Yeah, they might have fudged the uh, the length a little bit with the thick paper. Oh, dang, there's like a glossary in the back. You can sort by country. Just in case you're trying to figure out what countries not to go to. Communist ones. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you... That's everything, right? Except for America. And I... European ones. Socialism. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, not a bridge too far. There's okay, so it's like 375 pages. It looks like okay, so they didn't, they, like they didn't cheap out. Like they they wrote a, a solid book there. A hundred, at least what 120 stories. That's quite a few, yeah. Um, there's a section at the end that says, "What can I do?" And then it has a couple of different suggestions. Like it says, "You can pray," and it gives you some things to pray about. And like it says, like create a bulletin board in your church or youth group area where you and your friends can post the answers to your prayers. Oh, say a short cool. prayer whenever you think of that country throughout the week. At the it's end like of the week, ask God if He wants you to continue to pray for that country or to choose another one to pray for. <laughs> you can't just add to it; you have to just pick a different one. Yeah, I'm not feeling Pakistan. My, this your week. prayers are not working for this country. <laughs> I think you're more suited for another. It's like a Christian vision board. You can identify says hundreds of thousands of Christians risk their lives by gathering to worship Jesus every week. We in America may never know the extent of such repression. Hold a mock underground church. To see that type of oppression, we'd have to have like a minor sickness uh, where people were asked to stay home for a week or two. That's a a survivor's guilt mentality right there. Yeah. Well, that's 100% what it is. It's the whole, like, this thing has happened to, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, I heard the joke. And by the way, I'm not saying COVID is minor. I'm just making fun of those people. Jeremiah's going to rant about the jab. (laughs) (laughs) But, but like, that's 100% what it is. It's the whole, like, if these 
people theoretically these totally real people in this other totally real place had this happen to them exactly as we've portrayed it here then what's your excuse and like that's kind of how all propaganda works and it sucks because some of these stories are probably not propaganda again i'm not trying to minimize the real suffering that has happened to people who are you know it's the way they're framed that we're criticizing right it's the way they're 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 fitting a bunch of stories into this specific mold and some of them probably directly fit and some of them probably have very little to do with it and the story of someone's a real person suffering is being co-opted to try to fire up american teenagers to be more annoying in their school for not having mandatory prayer anymore like yeah that's the part it like it it feels kind of scummy because i think it it minimizes the work of quote unquote, like actual missions and actual missionaries and people who are really ride or die with like trying to fire up privileged youth group kids that, that I, admittedly do need like a little bit of a, like a perspective on the rest of the world. But I don't know just the suffering of Christian martyrs is maybe not a well-rounded enough understanding of like what other people go through. You need I, a Reinhard Heydrich to rally <laughs> around, you I, know, I still think I, my hardest time with it it's like yeah of course not joking about the people who who actually suffered we have to now that we've explained the joke and things aren't funny anymore it's like because because we have no respect for you yeah we don't think you can follow (laughs) i think also where my like where i just can't not joke on people is like this feeling that you have to do this because eternity is at stake. Like if you're a Christian where you live and you want to do that, however you want. Cool. But like to, you mentioned like not, Oh, it's not to minimize like the work maybe that other missionaries are doing or things like that. Like I honestly think most missionaries need to go the fuck home. Like stop exporting an American gospel to other people's cultures. I think it's just, ugh. I agree. That might be a longer topic. It is. I, it's, we don't I, need, I used to, we don't need to get into it. I used to work for a quote unquote missions organization, but they actually were doing missions in a way that like I, I still believe in. And I think is if a you're good digging thing. wells in building buildings in investing in communities and you're not doing like, maybe, I don't know. I, this is where you have, yeah, I, that's a, that's, I think it's another topic. That's a longer topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think there are some great well, organizations doing stuff. Yeah. Okay. We'll, sure. we'll move on then. I'm Stay not gonna, out of there. I'll, I'll keep going in that Collect direction. Collect your money and funnel it to a warlord so he can pay his child soldiers. Thank you. Okay. So let me give you your marching orders here real quick. Hold a mock underground church meeting in a home or at your church. Give each <laughs> participant a password or secret knock that they will need in order to enter your meeting. Christian speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You could even hold your meeting outside in the woods. Then have people who are dressed as police invade your meeting. Have only one or two Bibles to share in the group. Use only the light from a lantern or candle. Can we play this game when we do our first GUC meetup? Dude, this is the airplane game that I've talked about at that weird camp I went to. (laughs) Pretend that terrorists are taking over the plane and give the most unstable kids in the camp fake weapons and let them kick and punch people. <laughs> you must have read that word. Lose total control because everyone that's a leader at this camp is like a hobbled old prick. <laughs> Find that awkward homeschooled pseudo military kid and just give him the role a of a reason. lifetime. Give him a hey. reason. Hey, hey, Herschel. Make it real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this sounds a lot like 
some games we played at a, at a youth camp, like my youth group used to put on, like when they were still fun and cool. Um, like a lot of the, the games they played in the middle of the night and stuff, which I feel like that could be a, again, a whole nother topic about like actual fun youth camp stuff, but they did some like really sketchy things. Looking back at it now, I'm like, Oh man, there's a reason, like there's a reason why you shouldn't do this with children, but it was a whole lot of fun when I was a teenager. Oh man, Bianca talking about being abducted in the middle yes, of the night. That's what yeah. I was just thinking about. Yeah, if you we, haven't we listened to our episode. It's it's been a while back. It's in the forties, I think, with Bianca, but she talks about being nineteen forties, being fake abducted in the middle of the night. You know, without but knowing she, that it's a she, game. Yeah, she had no idea. It was like we're all here, and then people bust in and fake abduct you. Oh, see, we told we told kids it was a game. But then we hauled them out in the middle of the night and straight up hazed them like stuff that would a hundred percent get people in serious trouble if it was right. happening at a university. <laughs> yeah, and should it's a crime. Like you were you were participating. I don't in a know crime. It was literally. A I crime, hope the statute like, of limitations are up, Jeremiah, because you I, just I, fucked yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I was still a teen. I was on the cusp. I was like the teenager that's almost youth staff. So like sometimes you help. You're volunteering. Sometimes you're a kid. For all of the uh, maybe crimes, I'm on Intro the to child labor. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Well, of course, I was a child labor. I was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's the way I'm going to tell this story. Yeah. <laughs> so you could share the gospel. Uh, the last one is fun. It says you can dramatize, create a short skit or a series of skits to be performed before Set your to church a secular song that seems like it could have Christian lyrics, like life houses <laughs> <laughs> hanging by a moment. No, that you're everything. That song. Oh, you're all I want. You're all I oh, need. That you're is, everything. is that Matchbox? Is that Matchbox? No, that, that's Lifehouse. Every, you're everything I want. Everything I need. No, no, no. Yep, you're everything. You're everything. Yeah, that's Lifehouse. I can't place that one. Uh, it was in. It was in season one of Smallville. I realize that's probably not going to help you. Oh, it was that did the trick. Right? It was <laughs> Vertical Horizon. <laughs> I'm thinking the Vertical Horizon song. Everything you want. Oh yeah, we're probably thinking of different songs. It was turned okay. into a, a very popular Christian sketch for a while, where it was like one of those things you act out on stage uh, during like youth events, um, where people are you know being dragged between sin and holiness and whatever else. It was one of those. I can send you a link. They were honestly pretty well done. It's a good song. Everything by life. Find me here and speak to me. I want yes. to kill you. I need to hear you. You are the yeah, light. Yeah, one of those songs me. is like, is it a Christian song? Not sure, but did we certainly play it on the youth band? Yes, oh, we did. We love them. Anything that's it's like. If it could That's be the about a girl area you God, want to exist in. If it gets you horny for God, it's the perfect song. <laughs> uh, anyone who's interested in that should go look up Alex Melton on YouTube, who has <laughs> a series on that. It's pretty good. Uh, so it says you can, uh, you know, basically create skits from the stories in the book or martyrs you've researched yourself. Select martyrs from both the past and the present. Uh, put on your plays and then invite people to join prayer groups or pray weekly as described above. And then it says you can write and it tells you like quite a few different things that you can, you can write to your elected officials, uh, <laughs> inform them of specific human rights violations committed against Christians in various countries around the world. Um, to That'll your, do it. to the ambassador of that country to the f officials of foreign governments. So, you know, you could write to like Kim Jong-un and be like, you be nice. And then to the editor of your local newspaper, educate your community on the horrors faced by Christians worldwide. 
<laughs> yeah, so literally like uh, you know, write in and talk about how they're forcing you to make a wedding cake or just slacktivism at its finest. Yeah. Now to be the fair, that was deal. pre-social media. So I'm sure a lot of that would be revised to like copy and paste this tweet. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if the guy that's that writes into your local paper like got his marching orders from Jesus Freaks? <laughs> Oh, dude, we haven't, dude, we haven't we have, heard from him in a while. We haven't reviewed. I it's been a while since I've looked it up. I'll check it out because he. So, uh, Aaron, uh, my friend Aaron, who was on the, we had him on an intro. We had him on the podcast for an intro, I think. Um, or was it a full episode? I think it was a full episode. He created a just a, under a pseudo name, uh, and started responding to everything he would write in the paper. And his shit was so fucking funny. It Dude, was just I love that small town bullshit for fun. Like, oh my god, I he would send me his responses uh, before they would get published. Sometimes, like, how's this sound? And you're like, God, it, 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 it they were perfect. They were just perfect responses to like an alt right person who thinks they're like uh, who thinks they're like an intellectual. And uh, I loved it. Uh, it just to watch the back and forth between them uh, the it was like watching like a really shitty boomer facebook argument but it was in your local paper <laughs> analog bickering yeah <laughs> it's so amazing well yeah so uh i hope everybody has a better understanding of the martyrs and the real tangible dangers that we face in this country as we see our rights withered away by the likes of the Marxist left. Yeah. Live in the moment, hanging by a moment, do it all. Yeah. So, you know, write your local official or, uh, you know what? Screw that. Write directly to Marjorie Taylor Greene. (laughs) Or uh, I'd say if you want to, if you want to test out the persecution in your local uh, government just to see where you're at on like the world persecution index which is a real thing don't look it up uh go to maybe your next school board <laughs> meeting and get up in the middle and start to evangelize and just and see are they are they good conservative christians or do you maybe undergo some persecution slash consequences for doing that yeah stand up and be heard <laughs> sing loudly without you know, asking permission don't ask permission to share the gospel just stand up yeah. and scream are you going to hide that light under a bushel or are you going to be tased? I would honestly stand <laughs> up, start praying, scream, should about a Honda go off, you know, do your thing. <laughs> well, uh, any closing thoughts or, um, I just looked up Jason Wade on Instagram. That's a closing thought. Uh, singer for Lifehouse. Definitely. Let's see what we can That'd be fun. Now that <laughs> I know Jeremiah has such an affinity for uh, pseudo Christian music. I mean, I, I learned a lot of those to play on youth band. I don't know what to tell you. You can make a lot of things work. It <laughs> song's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he has less followers than I would have thought. How Only 33.8 thousand. Well, like what's Lifehouse doing these days? I well, mean, that's. I bet Lifehouse has a lot. Let's look that up. These are good closing thoughts. Fun fact for the audience, Jeremiah actually has a Counting Crows tattoo. Oh, uh, 
Lifehouse, I would have expect. I guess Lifehouse is pre Instagram. I bet this is the this is the test. We've talked about this, Casey. I bet they have like a fucking shitload of Facebook followers, and then just low on the Instagram followers or MySpace. Absolutely. I bet their MySpace was because they got one hundred twenty eight. It was going hard. It's one hundred twenty eight thousand IG followers. That's actually pretty good for a band that like is not really in the public consciousness that much I anymore. I bet they put out an album six months ago and we don't know about it. That's probably true. I'm looking <laughs> them up right now. That ha- I feel like that happens with bands like this. Lifehouse. I feel like Casey's been un- trying to steer this dude, thing, and we're just not life- cooperating. This is it. This is how we know the generation of band came out, and because on it, it holds true, Casey. Three point two million followers on Facebook. Okay, oh, they, their last man. album was in twenty fifteen. Okay, well. I guess that, yeah. I mean, it's the Facebook generation. That is put, so funny to me, man. They put out a greatest hits in 2017, though. Good for them. Like a whole <laughs> CD of greatest hits? I think so, yeah. It's like, who puts out an EP of greatest hits? Oh, actually. In, uh... <laughs> Four songs. <laughs> oh, man. The greatest hits EP. <laughs> That's an amazing idea that somebody needs to take. <laughs> All right, what band? What band would be really ready for like a greatest hits EP? Static X. <laughs> That's a greatest hits single. You know oh what? Yeah, I will buy the forty-five with Push It. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it looks like Jason Wade, um, singer-songwriter, was raised by missionary parents. Okay, dude, we're we're onto something. Yeah, this is we'll that, that was a great suggestion, Jeremiah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right everybody if you like the show send it to a friend and uh rate us wherever you listen to it spotify apple podcasts i don't know wherever There's nowhere it else that's it Pan- pandora you and Need your dad listen to it on pandora rate and, and review reviewing helps a lot i heard yes. about it algorithms and shit apparently it makes a big difference when people write stuff about you i think three star reviews with you writing basically counts as a five star so we'll just accept more of those. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if we don't have a certain number of views or reviews by like, I don't know, let's say March 21st, Sam and I are going to take up heavy smoking. Yeah. As a form of like self-flagellation. We'll post nudes. That's what we'll do. <laughs> and see if our account gets shut down. <laughs> we kind of make like a yin yang formation of us like blowing each other. <laughs> Maybe it's time to finally give Elon that $12 a month. <laughs> <laughs> that blue check mark. And uh, you can join in on the conversation, get a hold of us by uh, joining our Discord. It's a fun place, full of cool people, and you should jump in there. Uh, we talk about all sorts of stuff. There's a lot of funny things packed in there. It's a cool place. So um, you'll find the link on our social media. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.